Welcome to Purpose and Productivity, a podcast made possible by the SkyPass Group of Companies and SkyLife Success. Join Krish Dunham, an author and speaker whose messaging has been described as the junction where God's ability and man's availability meet hope's accessibility. Welcome back to part two of Creators and Executors. This is Krish Dunham and Shelley Curry, and continuing our conversation on some of the principles on how to achieve maximum productivity when working with individuals whose purposes and roles are vastly different from our own. As we discussed last time, Krish, you were on the qualitative creator side of things, and I'm on the quantitative executor side of things, and we've managed to overcome some potential conflicts and miscommunication along the way, and to be productive in the same space. I want to bring that uh, communication aspect back into the conversation, because as we discussed last time, the way executors and creators communicate is very different due to the fact that our minds process information differently. Chris, you always bring the what and the why to the table, and I execute, I do the how on my own. That's something that we talked about last time. But what are some things early on before we figure this thing out What are some things that I did as an executor in terms of communication or thought patterns or habits that perhaps maybe impeded your creativity? Well, I don't think I ever doubted from the very get-go. I think I've been quite forthcoming in the fact that I believed in what you could become probably a little before you did. And that may be something we can talk about as well. But that's because of the way I was motivated and raised. Mr. Ziegler saw in me things that I didn't see in myself. And sometimes he brought me kicking and screaming into. And so that was what was, to be honest, a little frustrating for me because I said, why can't she see the fact that she could own this space? Now, part of it is my own motivation. Part of it is selfish in the sense when you start an organization and you want it to succeed, you want all the bells and whistles to work. And I thought I had lightning in a bottle in the sense that even though we were a fledgling organization, I could go and promise everything to the world knowing that you would deliver it. But in the early days, there was there were some of those hiccups on how this working relationship would work. And plus, we, we're part of a bigger organization which has its own rules and regulations. So I think that was, again, the creator and me had to come out and figure out how to... F- how to fabricate a working relationship where someone of your ability can be brought into this environment, defy some of the conventional structure, rewrite some of the pro ability. And that was weird for us because we are now trying to create something that allows you to fit in, whereas that's your that's your realm. It's not our. I mean, my job is to generate ideas. So that was hard trying to have those endless meetings with you trying to figure out a way as to how we could actually get that working relationship. And I know you had another thing going on and, uh, but again, that's part, I don't think your generation is talked to the way I talk to you Hmm. in terms of praise, in terms of recognition. uh, A, it may have been strange. B, it may have been weird. Now it's consistent. So you probably think, okay, I'm not making it up. That's right. I actually (laughs) believe you now. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting because I remember some of those early conversations outside of us trying to figure out what this was going to be. I remember I would come into your office with an agenda of like three things to talk about, right? So I would have one, two, three. These are the three things that I need answers to. And halfway through point number one, we would just veer off into something else and you would have an idea about something that had nothing to do with what I brought to you in the first place. And 
30 minutes later, I've got notes full of ideas of things that you want to implement, but I haven't even made it through my bullet point number one. And what I quickly understood was there's beauty in that, right? I would get frustrated with that at first, and I would feel like, man, I, I just feel like I can't really get the answers to some of the questions that I'm looking for in the way that I'm looking for it. But I think the beauty of that is that even though I may not have accomplished my agenda for that meeting of why I started that conversation with you, we ended up, and by we I mean you, ended up coming with coming up with so many great ideas as a result of something that I asked you that just triggered a thought. And so I think it's so important as an executor, as an executor to remember that for all the executors out there listening, it can sometimes be frustrating talking to the creators around us because we have an agenda of what we want to accomplish and they may veer off and go and talk about something else. And again, I think I need to dis make the distinction between the type of conversations that we have. It's the in the moment, spontaneous, sure. throughout the day type conversations, not, not pre-planned sessions where you're telling creators, hey, come up with your ideas and present them, right? I think that scenario is different because it forces the creator to kind of organize their thoughts and present them um, in a fashion that maybe is more suited to the executor. Um, but these in-the-moment conversations that we have every day since we work down the hall from each other, I think it's just been interesting to see kind of the evolution of how we've now understood how to communicate better. Yeah, and I think uh, one of the things that now I realize that you produce work in a certain way, but in order for you to be effective, I have to let you own it. I, I have to give you the liberty and the guidance or the authority to execute it on your own so that we're not going... Because again, like you said, if you come to me with something, I'll add three different tentacles. So if I give you something and it's supposed to be done, I need to allow you to then publish it, post it, do whatever. Because if it comes back to me, it'll go to all these iterations. And maybe a lot of organizations feel that frustration. So maybe that's the advice that I would like to give to the, to the, the trailblazers, the mavericks, the gung-ho, high-D personality types like me. If you have people in your organization who have that ability to execute, who have that ability to fulfill top-notch work, when you give it to them, let them own it. And then tell them that, hey, you know what? You now own it, victory and all. So if it backfires, it's their problem as well. Otherwise, you'll go through these endless loops like we did in the early days. And I realized that much, that her frustration was not so much in her ability to do the job. It was when she came back to me with that, I had another idea, it's just my nature. For me, nothing is ever complete, it's always fluid. And in her case, nothing can be started unless something is complete. So it's just a very different thing. You agree on that? I, I do agree, and I think actually it's one of the things that I've learned from you. I think I'm so programmed, and I'm sure listeners can relate to this, some, some of you out there that are listening. I am so programmed to wanting to kind of see the full picture before I start executing. Because I think for me, the way my mind works is, I need to see the end goal and then work backwards from there because that allows me to be efficient. If I don't know what we're trying to do, how can I plan to be efficient? And you come from the place of, it doesn't matter what the end goal is, let's just get this thing going and we can perfect it as we go along. And I think there's a beautiful balance there between the two. I don't think one extreme or the other is good. I think there's a healthy balance there between the two that even now that you know, I'm still I'm still learning that balance. Yeah, I mean, my, my style would probably work in, uh, in, in general conversation of going to a grocery store, but uh, if, if I needed to get on a plane, I would need your style. I mean, in the sense that the guy, I don't want the pilot to be like me, Shelley. I don't want him to say, hey, you know, we'll figure it out as we go along. I want him to say, hey, you know what? The gas is full, all the meters have checked, right. and now I'm ready to take off. 
So I understand that component, but that's, that's just the, the beauty of it. In, and this is a very different cultural thing as well, because uh, I interact with your dad on a different level. We do a lot of similar things together, because again, that's the other side of my role. Most of the folks listening know half my world is not the corporate world. I'm in a, in a boundaryless culture, which has no ability of its own. So most of the times I'm out there, I'm on my own, so I'm making it up as I go along. So when I come back here, it's a luxury, and, uh, and that's, that's the beauty of it. So what about reward and recognition? Where does that, what, what role does that play uh, or has played in, in, in conversation? Or actually, let's back it up. If you look at reward and recognition in just terms of validation of work and workload and all that, what do you think your generation craves how how would they how because that's the question i'm asked a lot how do i motivate you know part of your shelley says is demystifying the millennial myth and so if people wanted to ask you questions obviously they could on that at shelley says at skylifesuccess.com but what are some ways that you think we have succeeded and some places where we have failed drastically in the in the recognition component or the acknowledgement component? Well, I think specifically with you and I, our working equation, I think is where I've really understood the importance of reward and recognition. And I think you're the one that brought it to my attention that, Shelley, you need feedback. And you may not think you do, but you actually do need validation. And you do need to understand that what you're doing is good or areas that you can improve on. And I never thought of it that way. I always felt like, you know, I'm a little bit more introverted by nature. I like working on my own. I like being behind the scenes. And I always thought I was just fine without any kind of validation or feedback. But when you said that, it occurred to me, I do need that. And, and part of it is because, as you pointed out, which is so true, I want to know if there are areas in which I can improve. Because that's just, again, that's another characteristic I think of being an executor. If I didn't do it right this time, let me figure out how I can really implement to the best of my ability next time. And I think valuing people, this is again such a basic, simple principle, but it's so overlooked. Allowing people to feel valued and allowing them to feel like they have a voice, right? I think is so important. Just yesterday, you and I had a conversation where I was telling you, you've never made me feel like I didn't have a voice. And again, I, I've taken that for granted without realizing that I had that. And I only realize that when I hear stories of other people that feel like they don't have a voice. And we talked about that yesterday. And I thought to myself, man, I've never been in a situation with Krish where I felt like I didn't have a voice. And perhaps because I've worked on my own for so long, I haven't worked in the traditional corporate setting with large teams. I only did that for a few years really early on in my 20s. I've kind of maybe taken for granted the fact that I've been fortunate enough to be surrounded by people that have given me that validation. And so when I get these glimpses into other teams and other scenarios where they're not getting that, it just reminds me mm -hmm. of how important that is. I think the point is that as a leader, you want to let your follower or your team know that they're validated, their voice is being heard. You don't have to agree with them, but what they say means something. Yeah. So piggybacking off that, I mean, of course, I come from the generation, like I said, and most people know that uh, I, I grew up in India, but Mr. Ziegler changed my paradigm on this whole concept of challenging assumptions. So what I do, I think, is not a natural, I'm contrarian by nature, but even my leadership style is not a natural leadership style for the simple reason that 
it's amalgamated from watching Mr. Ziegler drag me kicking and screaming into some things. But what I want you to, uh, at least for the duration of the time we have, I want you to address this, this issue of how can people begin to, oh, actually, let's, uh, the question I had, like I said, I'm going off on a tangent, but when this contagion broke and we were suddenly, we made some decisions saying, hey, okay, if this is the way the work and this is the way we're going to work digitally and we're going to be away and all this other stuff. What are some things you had to do that was so unnatural that I just forced you to do in terms of our whole rebranding and all? Well, again, true to an executor style, we love planning, we love knowing what the end game is, and we love having step-by-step -step actions to implement it. And the nature of the situation that we found ourselves in was one where we had to think really fast, which I don't have a problem thinking on my feet and thinking fast, but I think the future was uncertain and still is uncertain. And I think that is something that I was kind of uncomfortable with and it put me out of my comfort zone. I knew that we needed to act quickly in terms of moving more into the digital space. We decided to do a rebrand for Skylife. We decided to bring me on board. All of these things were very, I don't want to say last minute because really, if you think about it, they've been months and years in the making, but it all hit really fast. It became a reality really fast. Everything that was just conversation for so long was now all of a sudden becoming reality. And I think as an executor, I was okay with that. It was just the, the, the struggle for me was not really understanding step by step, how do we go about this? Because the future and the end goal and everything was so uncertain. I will say though, that it forced me to think about the why of what we're doing, bringing it back to the why and the how. The why of what we're doing, or in, for those listening, the vision and the mission of your organization hasn't changed. But the how has changed. We've been forced to change the how. And I think because I've been a how person for so long, executing and implementing, changing the how very quickly was challenging. I'll admit it. I like to think that I'm superwoman, but I'm not. I don't, I, I don't you know, have everything perfected. Um, so does that answer your question? It, it does, actually, because it suddenly took me back to the fact that because we were, I had gotten so used to your execution style, which means I just come up with a harebrained idea. And, of course, to a large degree, what I do is, even though I have a thought process and I require an outline for you or something, I leave the create. So that was a flip. I leave the creativity now up to you as to how it's going to document but I give you a finished product in some kind of bullets and then, so we actually flipped our roles. You had to become creative mm -hmm. in some of the arenas. And then when we were relegated to not working in the office and I suddenly found myself having to be an executor, coming to the office by myself, uh, calling people, writing stuff. And so I think that's part of the, and that's maybe the beauty of this uh, is that as much as it has been something where we've been each comfortable in our own, this new working relationship because of the fact that it was digital and because it was remote has forced me to, to produce a better product to get it to you, not because I, in the past I would, I would just rely on you to come up with it, but now I think to myself, because we need three times as much work, I need to do some more work in finishing touches because your workload has increased in the rebranding I mean, stuff like video editing and stuff, which is not, I mean, I don't, 
I mean, when you're as a wedding planner, I'm pretty sure you hire videographers. I mean, it's not exactly. <laughs> I'm the queen of outsourcing. I can oversee all of the moving parts, but I outsource so much because I just want to focus on what I can do. But to your point, this season has kind of put us in a position where we're forced to do things that perhaps we don't want to do mm -hmm. because we have to do them. But the beauty of it, the beauty of that process is that I picked up some skills along the way that I didn't anticipate um, picking up. And to your point of switching roles back and forth, I think. The creator sometimes has to be the executor. The executor sometimes has to be the creator. You do have to kind of, depending on your stage of life or depending on your career, the situation that you're in. I know with my event planning, I had to kind of dabble in both. But I think we can all agree that you probably find your strengths more on one side of the coin. Not to say that you can't go back and forth between the two. And, and that's why, you know, early on, I remember one of the quotes we wrote was, when there are times of trouble or turmoil, the first thing you'll see on the horizon is the enthusiastic amateurs who think they can do it all. And you have to hold out for the seasoned professional. And I remember we, we did a video contract with an organization and since she was not here and she usually runs point on production, I ended up having to come to the studio and do these rudimentary things. And we tried to pacify each other saying that, hey, based on the conditions around, this is a good enough product. But Obviously, even within creation, I want myself to be known as an excellent creator. She wants to be known as an excellent executor. So then we had to go out and outsource that. But in the process, we took less. But we were transparent in the process, and the client really got a good thing. So any final thoughts for today as you close it up? I think I just want to reiterate the point that we all need each other. I think that's very evident in our conversation. You know, creators need executors, executors need creators, and fill in the blank with whatever other personality type might fit your profile. You know, without executors, the creators can't get their ideas implemented, and without the creators, you know, the executors don't have any ideas to implement. So I think just to kind of wrap it all up, understanding our purposes and understanding our roles and responsibilities and that which we have been called to and that which those around us have been called to will help us enhance our productivity. So what can they expect from you in some of your solo assignments as, uh, in the days and weeks ahead? Well, as you mentioned, Krish, I am more on the quantitative side of things. So I've got some things in the works pertaining to how to be productive. Specifically, a topic that's been sitting on my heart is this idea of activity versus accomplishment, which is based on this premise. Uh, it's a quote actually from John Maxwell that not activity, not all activity means accomplishment. And I think as executors, we're so activity and task oriented and so activity driven. So that's been something that's been sitting on my heart. So that will be something that I think the listeners can look forward to. Well, there you have it. Another podcast. And actually, Shelly was kind enough to quote somebody. How many podcasts <laughs> have you heard me do where I haven't quoted somebody? <laughs> but I hope you enjoyed this interaction. It is a new season and it is a new opportunity. So in your own organizations, seek out the ones who can actually make you look better. Don't, don't be a miser on your praise. Be lavish in your recognition. Until next time, this is Krish Dunham and Shelley Korean saying adios. That concludes another episode of Purpose and Productivity with Krish Dunham, brought to you by Skylife Success. Please subscribe, rate, and visit us on the web at krishdunham.com and skylifesuccess.com, where you can find our social media links and access to additional resources. Till next time, happy learning and happy living.